Initiating update. Three, two, one, go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nerd on Update, weekly show where normally we would talk all about the news that we're really excited about in the nerd sphere and then answer questions from you guys. However, it's the end of the year and we we're we're actually a little peek behind the curtain. We were, we're recording this one in advance and uh, we're gonna do something special for y'all. We're gonna, we're gonna do something a little special. It's it's gonna be a mega question episode. That's a risk I'm willing to eat. That's a callback <laughs> Tuesday, to last Tuesday, week. Tuesday, Tuesday. It's a callback for y'all who listened last week. It's like we did it last year. What? It's like we did it last year. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to answer a whole bunch of questions and probably dive maybe a smidge deeper than normal. Um, yeah. Just, just for the funsies. But um, real quick, just so you know. If you want to submit questions, because every single week on the Nerd on Update, we do answer questions from you uh, at the latter half of our show. Uh, if you would like to submit questions, uh, you can send an email to questions at nerdon.tv, or you can go to nerdon.tv backslash questions. And if you are a member of the Nerd on Nation, you do get what we call a Nerd on Nudge, uh, where you can have your question put to the front of the line. And so check that out. That's powered by Patreon, nerdon.tv backslash Patreon. And there's also channels on our Discord, nerdon.tv backslash Discord. But that's all the business. Let's get into the questions. Questions can be anything. Like Brad asks, what's your favorite book slash movie slash game slash etc. that's hard to recommend to people? And why is it hard to recommend? Whoa, that's a really good question. You know, going calling back to last week's episode, Tom when there say was Batman vs Superman, when there was a slash slash slash, I think it's just your favorite thing. It's not you don't have to name all of them, so just name one, and that's yeah. where I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My brain works. You must have an answer later. for each category. Welcome <laughs> I, to the I, show, I Tom. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, What's our favorite thing that's hard to recommend to people and why is it hard? Uh, that's what she said. Something I loved growing up that I don't I don't think it's like really super exciting was uh, Little House in the Big Woods. Okay. I don't know that one. Um, uh, Laura Ingle. Learn it, it me was, something. What is it about? Sell it to me now. So basically Laura Ingle grew up uh, in like like Connor Prairie. That was Shout out to Connor Prairie. Like uh you know, it, it was just like talking about what it was like to grow up living off the land in the middle of nowhere mm. and living just close enough to town where you know, you had to spend like two dollars to get a horse was like a huge deal or whatever. Um and I don't know. I, I just was I really enjoyed reading about how life worked that way um but it's not like a really exciting thing like they just talk about like ah it was the winter and this is how it was to live in the winter and you know it, it's just a different perspective of life uh from a different time period and i thought it was really cool but i think it would be hard to recommend because it's like not it's not action-packed it's not like ah love and loss and all of that it's just like someone's life kind of happening 
Okay. Why has it been but hard I, to, to recommend? Um, because it's not action packed, and it's yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like oh, it's, it's gonna change your life. Gonna, like, it's gonna it change it. your perspective. You're gonna be it's, so altered when you read this. It's more of it's just, just like a story. No, it's 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 a nice. It's not story. like oh my god, you got to check this out. But I mean, so why yeah. did you like it? Um, I don't know. It, I don't know. I just remember reading the the like hardback of that. Over and over and over again in elementary school. Okay. And I really okay. enjoyed it. I dig that. That's a really good answer. Corey, Josh? Um, I'm I'm debating between two right now. So give me like a minute yeah, and a I half. Need, and I'll I need a minute because I'm, I'm thinking. Um, I I'll, I'll go. Um, I mean, I got I got plenty, I think. Um, and I don't think they're like particularly... It's not like my favorite things. But they're things I think need further examination from, I think a massive amount of people that kind of written it off. Um, one in particular, and this is like more of a broad spectrum is more avant-garde film. Um, and this is someone that like, like as a, as a young man, <laughs> like was screaming <laughs> to the dentist's office to not to never watch avant-garde film. But I think when you realize what audience and why is it hard to recommend avant-garde film? And so avant-garde film does not conform to narrative storytelling. So there's no mm. story. Yeah. There's literally it's just images and feeling, emotion, edits, and cuts. Um, and it's not easy to recommend because um people want to turn off their brain and be told a story. Um, where the film genre or film medium to to express art is so much more vast than just I need to tell you this something that has a, a beginning, middle, and end. And I think when people kind of the reason why I want people to experience more avant-garde filmmaking is that it's not easy. It's not just like, Oh, I made a thing and I don't, I could walk away. You know, it's not like someone makes a black and white film and says, I just put a filter on it. You know, like there's much more craft built into it. And so when you have this idea of like crafting done without a particular set desired thing to walk away from, then the audience member gets to actually walk away with an expansive sense of what meaning is. And then the forms of narrative storytelling, I think open up more because then you stop kind of wanting films or things to be one way or the other. You start seeing more of that, like where does the craftsmanship come from? And then you could kind of walk away with that experience of like, well, I can see what they're doing and that's not my thing. And I think, or I see this, this is lazy or, you know, like you kind of get to see those things because you know, without form and function, you start seeing how form and functions really like are, you know, like seeing negative space, you start seeing how physical space works. It's really, I, it's interesting. In that I, I want to comment on that because mm-hmm. I, I was a studio art major in mm-hmm. college and I feel like, um, art kind of runs in the same thing. Like the, the hard part about those kind of films and that kind of art is that like, you have the ones that there's like, you don't understand what you're looking at when you look at it unless you start to piece together the context. And maybe it's just a little title card and that gives you all the context for what you're looking at. Maybe you don't get that. Mm-hmm. And you can like, once you get all that context and you start putting together all the pieces of what you're looking at, it can be like a really beautiful and transformative experience to to take in that art but then you have people that are like, I duct taped a banana to a wall. Mm-hmm. 
And those kind of easily get lumped into the same group because it's like, oh, your concept is so high that like you didn't really do anything. You're all pure concept. And then there's like the the people that are going high concept and high attention to detail. There's there's like a spectrum of things. So, but they often get lumped into the same thing because you're like, oh, you're banana duct tape to a wall guy. There is the um, the idea that everything is theory until the creator confirms it, right? right? And so, like, you have the 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 dot on the white piece of paper, and it's like, what is that supposed to mean? And I think to me, art, I I I I, I dance on the hard line of like things could be objectively good or bad, but then that is also less fun. And I think that's where we start getting into trouble where like art can be fun. And oh, yeah. you can have that fun of like, it's just a banana with duct tape on the wall. And then when someone wants to infer more meaning onto it, then it could be more than that. But yeah. that's where we start having that fluidity between what matters to you and then how you perceive other things that don't matter to you. And then yes. you stop getting hurt by the art and then start just kind of traveling through it and just being like, Oh, well, they're doing that, and they're doing that, and they're doing that. And there's no, like, playing field of, like, well, this is worth more because of this person's name. You know, it just becomes, like, oh, they just made this, and they wanted to make it. And it's, like, cool. That's very interesting. I want to hear what they're talking about. And if it's an aspect or or vision of the world that I don't agree with, then I'm, like, that's a very interesting perspective. Yeah. You know? There's no hierarchy of, like, yeah, there's no hierarchy of, like, this is the right way to do it. You know? You have a lot of traditional art pieces, but then... You know, when, when people start drawing rigidity into it, like, are they actually defining what it is? Um, so to bring it back to the question, uh, my answer is definitely Blue Valentine. Mm. Um, Blue Valentine? Yeah, it's a Tell movie me about it. with uh, Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. And it basically takes place. It's like a time hop movie where it takes place during two timelines and these two people live the first week they met and the last week of their marriage. Um, And it's some of my favorite performances on screen. And I think it's an amazingly well-performed and well-written movie. It's heartbreaking. It's it's romantic. It's very grounded. um, But it's very emotionally taxing to watch. And I myself have only seen it twice ever. Um, and uh, it's 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 something that I would enjoy talking with people about on a film level, but it, I have a hard time recommending it because it's, I left the movie theater the first time I saw it, like bawling and feeling like shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very interesting character study. And from someone who came from a a family where my parents split, it was very visceral to watch. Um, so if that's gotta be my answer for sure. It's, it's blue Valentine. Um, go watch it if you can. Uh, but just know that it's like, it's not one of those movies. You're like, I'm going to put that on again sometime. It's kind of one of those ones you watch and you're like, I watched it. All right. I have that experience now. Tom's no, it's good. It, and, yeah. and I mean, it's tough because like it, it got mired in a lot of critical like controversy because it got like an NC-17 rating on it. And then it dropped mm-hmm. down to R. Yeah. And, it, you know, the interesting thing about that NC-17 rating is that they don't show anything really graphic any more so than huh. other movies. 
but it's just the emotional weight with those scenes that... Wow. Uh, I mean, Ryan Gosling did an interview and he's like, so it must have just been the people watching it. Like, we must have brought some feelings out. And the director was like, yeah, there was definitely some feelings brought out in your performances that must have made people feel uncomfortable enough to give it that rating. Because it's not wow. gra- graphic in that sense. Um, so, uh, I read, yeah. I, read, I read one review that it was because the audio inferences of what they were physically doing. And I was just like... sure. Uh, to me, again, to me, uh, you know me. Y'all know me. I'm like, movies. Oh, grow up. Yeah. Fucking grow yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would, uh, I think Ryan Gosling got robbed of an Oscar nom for that movie. Wow. Um, luckily, it's a good, it's a good Rorschach did. film, too. You get what you yeah. think. Yeah. It, it tells you huh. more about you than what you t- think about sure. that. Sure. Yeah. Um, wow. But if uh, you watch it, message me. It's just, it's hard. I don't find myself, like, recommending it to people ever. Even though I, oh. I think it's 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 in it's a, I think it's like a masterpiece film. But oh, uh, I guess to to that point, if I were to recommend one, Sans Soleil. Without that sounds the sun. really familiar. You probably watched it since you're an arts arts person. Was that it's the a, thing about God? No, uh, or Jesus. It, it's about time travel. It's what Thirteen Monkeys is based off of. Mm. I think with Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis. Um, Josh, do you have one? Um, I have a couple that are really strong in my mind, but the one that I'm going to choose is something that we've even done an episode on, and mm. many people love it. Um, most people that I talk to about it um, tend, usually tend to love it, um, but it's uh, Big Lebowski. Um, mm. Sometimes it's hard oh. to recommend to people because I have had the experience of people going like, I don't get it and so it's mm. like it's a it's a certain kind of comedy it's a certain kind of writing um even i mean the coen brothers specifically i mean sometimes not everybody gets it not everybody kind of sure you know gets that kind of comedy or gets that kind of dialogue um so sometimes it is hard to recommend even a movie like that is a cult classic widely now. accepted as a huh is it widely accepted as a pop culture phenomenon? Yeah. Um, so it, it is hard to recommend at first. I mean, I, I will, of course, recommend it, but um, yeah, it's. I think it's, it is one of those things that you never know how people are going to react to it. Because I know even right. when I first, like I said in our episode, when I first saw it, I didn't quite get it. And after, mm. you know, watching it and kind of, I don't want to say studying it because that sounds pedantic. Um, but just like kind of going into it a little bit more, it's like re-examining. Oh, yeah, yeah, re-examining. It's like, oh, this is a fucking classic. Um, but yeah, next question. Um, hold on, hey. real quick. Uh, oh. Amendment. It's not Sansoleil. Sansoleil is a documentary, but it's from the same director, Chris Marker, and it's uh, La Jette. La Jette is a 28 minute uh, black and white film. Sorry. But yes. Next question. I'm sorry. Uh, next question comes from Talon of the Dragon. How many voices can you switch between for the uh, in parenthetical for lack of a better term at once? What? Um so I know that this is coming from like uh I stream Evil Land and Evil Land 2 a lot and I pick games that are specifically text-based because it lets me experiment with looking at a character, deciding what their voice is and having to stick to that character choice. Um for the entirety of the game, even if they're a recurring character. So I've switched between like 
seven to ten different characters within like a ten minute span. Yeah. Um, now I, I got to ask you, you're, since you're you know acting in voice acting and all that stuff, so mm-hmm. like, do you have a reference point? Because to me, like when we played the KFC dating thing. Mm-hmm. And I was switching around through voices. I almost was like, I got to take a picture of them and then kind of just like <laughs> write down what the hell I did with them. Cause I'm like, I don't forgot what this dude is. And so, and I was thinking about like, I had like not stress, but I was thinking about like, if I were to do this again, I, I'd have to have like a picture, like a flower around my. <laughs> I mean, that's why uh, a lot of DMs screen. will have notebooks of. Exactly. That's what I thought characters. about immediately of like in well, even with Jennifer DMs. Hale in our episode mm-hmm. when she said that she had like hundreds of voice memos that were mm-hmm. like it's this character this is what yeah. i did for their voice and they yeah, reference and, them and to Corey's point like in with dms they'll just have like names like here are elvish names here are dragonborn names here mm-hmm. are bone, bone and then you just you know play with them so yeah. i was just like how do, do you have a rolodex in your brain or any type of physical note Kayla? there is a rolodex in my brain okay and what for me, the exercises, I look at the character, and then in my mind, you kind of guess you guess their entire history of their life up to this point, and then like their physical characteristics for where they might place their voice. Yeah. And you decide that in like a second when they pop up <laughs> for their first line before they even have a name unveiled. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's and, it's like when the people watching. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so kind of once I've decided on, you know, if like if if they're like a there's like a scientist that I named Dora because she totally looks like Dora the Explorer and um, like she wears glasses and she's a researcher. So I make her a little more up in the nasally thing, but she's still strong. So she's got that grounded part to her voice as well. Like, you know, and then. With that, I can look at her glasses and be like, oh, yeah, that's where I placed it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, key, like, characteristical feature that yep. you can pick out. Uh, to, to answer that question, because I am not a professional actor, <laughs> um, two, <laughs> three, maybe? <laughs> you, were, you, were doing, you were doing some work with that KFC dating sim. At once, I would, okay, at most, at maximum effort, maybe five. But I would say two to three, being like, okay, you're you're Christian Bale Batman, you're Boston <laughs> Ben Affleck, and then you're Val Kilmer. You know, like, here's the Thurkith, here's Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, to answer it for myself, I personally don't know, like, a specific number. I know that I can do voices, like, I just recently started focusing on voiceover as a like a something that I really want to do and it's really like I'm sure Caitlin you can attest to this it's kind of like finding your you know even just finding yourself and your voice and what you can do and all kind of like knowing those things uh, I don't know those things right now so it's kind of yeah like, I can do this I know that I can do this accent really well I know that I can do this kind of voice or blah 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 but I don't really know specifically. So it's like, I don't know if I can switch between them really quickly or in what span of time or blah, blah, blah. So I, I will say, I don't know. (laughs) Well, and it's also something where maybe you can switch between a lot of them, but like for how long too? Mm -hmm. Cause when I play Evo land two, I know I have about two hours before my voice starts getting tired. Mm -hmm. 
Because I'll be in like tiny children voice and then I'll be like serpent demon person voice and then I'll be in like tough demon man voice and then happy housewife and then grizzled warrior like beep 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 beep. It's all over the place. Finding ways to preserve your voice is a key too. Because I mean Mm -hmm. sessions legally are four hours. They can be up to four hours uh, within within SAG. So you got to be ready for them to go, hey, we're going to go all four hours today. <laughs> and you could have two of those in one day. Oh, yeah. Bonnie had a <laughs> session when she she was in Stargate 2, um, and she I remember her uh, telling me about the session of just like four hours of like, she played different characters, but it, one of the characters was like one of the, like the creatures, the evil creatures. And Starcraft. It was, and Starcraft, thank you. Um I was like, I don't know Stargate. Starcraft. Um, show. She was one of the evil creatures, but then she was also she was a like a war. Yeah, she was one of those. She was like one of the main ones. And um, she, like four hours of doing this crazy voice. And then at one point having to do soldiers and just doing like battle cries or wounded sounds. Like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a lot. And so it's, um, Corey, did you have an answer? Uh, I mean, I don't have a specific number, but. Being the oldest of four siblings and the second oldest of like 15 cousins, I've read a lot of bedtime stories and, you know, like Josh was in, I was a theater major throughout middle school and high school. Theater. I went to a a specialized school for it. So there's, they're there. (laughs) I haven't tested myself (laughs) on how many I can do, uh, switch between, but, you know, flexing it with the, this Dungeons and Dragons session. That I'm building for Nerd On, you'll find out. Very you'll find soon. out. <laughs> uh, next question comes from uh, Dougler. Yeah. What is the most unusual kind of hot chocolate have you guys ever had? You've ever had? Uh, I'll I'll answer it real quick. I've never had mm-hmm. any like weirder, unique, unusual kinds of hot chocolate. I've just had oh, really? hot chocolate and oh, yeah. some mushroom uh, mushrooms. That's unique. I was like, there you go. <laughs> you had <laughs> a hot chocolate and mushrooms, bro. Josh? Um, <laughs> hot chocolate marshmallows. Dude. Hot chocolate would be like so, so funny if off the cup is like, I've only had regular kinds of hot chocolate, like hot chocolate and mushrooms. Like, yeah. Oh, that's not normal. You go on a, some kind of crazy well, shroom the, journey with hot with, chocolate. That's the thing with unusual. It's all relative, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I put mayo on mine, you know, I'm uh, I'm, a, I'm an uh, adult. I could do whatever I want. <laughs> you know the drill, as always. <laughs> it's, it's bulletproof no. cho- hot chocolate. Um, <laughs> for me, it's it's I guess the not the most bizarre, but like definitely the most flavor like off the beaten path that I enjoyed the most was the Mexican hot chocolate with chili. Oh. Yeah, like shaved dried chilies that in it. That's a really good like one. Um, I've had some weird ones that I definitely did not like. Like, you know, that thing where you take a sip and then you slowly spit it back into the cup. There were some. <laughs> some <laughs> and you're like, ones. it's okay if I never like, had that again. Do you know what I mean? Like, I it just hits like your tongue and your body feeling. goes bleh, back out. <laughs> um I've had a few of those with like either it was supposed to be this like salted something, but it was like way too salty. And oh. um, if I, you know, so I w- I would say that the the yeah the one I enjoyed the most was the Mexican hot chocolate with chili. That was definitely off the beaten path, but like mm. it just the marriage of those two because it's not overpowering. It's just that bite, and you get that aftertaste of like in the back of your throat of the hot spice, and you're like, this is amazing. 
Kaylin? Man, I feel like the only thing that's really coming to mind is doing a white, like white chocolate, like hot chocolate, oh, hell with yeah. white chocolate, and then you put in a little bit of raspberry. Oh yeah, do a little really? eggnog too, because then you're I, in for a treat. You don't like eggnog? I don't like eggnog. It's oh, not my thing. See. Or just nutmeg then. Throw some nutmeg on there. You'd be good to go off the beaten path. Or just the one that you like, the way you or said it. Or just the white chocolate. I'm raspberry. just building on it. That's what I'll do. I'll record um, these yes anding. Build, build on this, yeah. Corey. The most unusual hot chocolate I ever had was probably carton chocolate milk from the school that was just in my backpack <laughs> for too long. Oh, no. You know, most unusual like, hot chocolate I've ever You know had when you accidentally get like take two old. or some of that or your friend left one and you're like, well, we can't waste it. That's not hot chocolate. That's just warm chocolate it's, milk. It's it's hot. <laughs> there's a distinct you, difference between those two things. It's hot because it's free. It's hot because it's free. Okay. It's hot off the press. <laughs> no, we're going to call that. That's not, <laughs> that's not, that's hot, not chocolate. hot chocolate. That's a risk in your backpack. Yeah. <laughs> that's called. That's the way I like to live. Potential food poisoning. <laughs> yeah. And here I am. Good baby. Lord. Although the kids at my school used to have milk chugging contests in the parking lot. So, oh, yeah, dude. Always a lot of fun. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, always a lot of fun. Um, next question comes from Engineered21. Shout out. What's Good something name. you realized hey. about yourself during quarantine? Any mind blowing realizations? That I don't really <sighs> mind being on quarantine. <laughs> Uh, there are some things I miss, like seeing my family and stuff like that. But honestly, being at home is like, I'm like, I'm really not that social, I guess. Um, <laughs> what have I realized? About what myself? a deeply personal question. Uh, mind blowing um, realization. Uh, go ahead, Kayla. Uh, I realize that I work way too much. Oh, that's like, what it took. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well, remember this all started that she wanted to play Pandemic, the board game. So I'm okay, still, I still all right. I still, still want to play Pandemic, the board game. <laughs> We're playing it. It's not the same. This isn't the fun one. Um, <laughs> no, who we should have put in charge is is the people who got the highest score on that uh, outbreak game on your phone. Plague. That's who we oh should put in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, legit. Yeah. I played that game and I've been called a dick all the time. I was like, Tom, why would you do that? I'm like, because you got to learn. I'm how learning. To- you gotta learn how spore fungus make viruses. Oh my god! Uh, Everybody go to Greenland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's been being at home, and it's it's very easy for me to get up and within seconds of opening my eyes, I was always checking my email while eating breakfast, responding to emails. You know, doing auditions, going to the day job, coming home, more emails, more this, more that. And that's just like literally every day, no days off ever. And then when I was home, it was just removing the driving time because I can easily spend like hour and a half, two and a half hours driving to and from things. And those extra two and a half hours like gave me more time to sleep Gave me more time to make food, go grocery shopping, do laundry, clean my house. Like the things that I had been like barely keeping up with uh, enough to be a functional levels. But um, then I realized like the kind of margins that you're supposed to have in your life that 
that should be a given. You should be able to like go buy groceries and have time to sit down with a meal like, and not work every and single it's time. It's kind of like what we were talking about with Becca Scott of like, because of work from home, it's like, it's very, very, it just be kind of came almost like a mindless thing where it's like, it's easy to accidentally work until 9 PM, 12 AM or whatever. And because yeah. you're at the office <laughs> and you're like, Constantly. Oh fuck, I forgot. I have to yeah. actually go do other things in my life. Yeah. So, and and I I worked from home for a really long time before this. So, I think it was just very easy for me to get wrapped up in like like I didn't count the driving time cuz then I would use the driving time to like listen to a podcast that was about something else related to work so that it would tie into my work later. So, um you know, it it it's given me a better idea of margins and boundaries and and that's kind of been the biggest takeaway i've had from it um something yeah, i learned I'm- about myself during the quarantine um i think one thing in particular is I don't know if it's like particularly mind blowing. I don't. I don't want to try to find something in order to fulfill the answer, but it's been like I've just been able to observe a lot of things, and I think what I've kind of real. Excuse me. Vague. Well, it's vague. It's like a lot of things happened, right? Like, oh yeah, there was a slew of misinformation. There was a high rise in a cultural awareness of civil rights, and there is there is still this un like not talked about enough divide of hardline beliefs that we have um and it's it doesn't have to be a monumental thing i think the media makes it a monumental thing um because you know we all still breathe the same air we all still want similar things but when it comes to other people you know like that's where some people have um, excuse the French, fucking stupid ideas and beliefs um, and, you know, don't understand what human rights means. Uh, so I, 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 if there's something that I kind of realized about myself is that I kind of want to always see both sides of it and that's kind of worked against me a lot of the times because I think what happens is that um, I start looking at what is um possible and then i start negotiating for what other people want instead of saying Mm. what's right and then negotiating for what's possible um because then i start losing the line of like what we're actually trying to do um and it's a kind of a hard thing to say because like i think i've been very like in my life i feel like i've been pretty like risk averted actually like I've always had this kind of like security in my life of like, I always have a job. I always have these things. And then, so it's caused me to be like, well, somehow, some way we kind of have to try to maintain what we have and not lose any more than we currently have versus like put everything on the line to get what you want. And so like, I realized that like during this time, like during the quarantine that like, I want to take more risk and I want to put everything on the line. And if I fail, then at least I'll get a bigger lesson than never having to risk anything at all and getting a smaller lesson from that. You know, that's that's me, though. Hmm. Um, 
for me, I mean, it's it's very much related to even what Caitlin said. Um, I realized that it's kind of a two-part realization is that I, I work too fucking hard and I care way too damn much. Um, that, sa- that can be misconstrued as bad, but what I mean is like, the perfect uh, kind of summary that I saw was a post on Facebook where somebody said, we need to stop glamorizing overworking and wearing burnout as a badge of honor. Like just putting in so many hours. and That was me. Like, yeah. That was Corey. <laughs> um, I, it was for me over the past six months, particularly, it's just been like really looking at that a lot and going, wow, I work too hard. And putting and and not putting things that even like fun stuff like playing video games or watching movies with my wife or whatever, like those kinds of things. It's like, no, I got this thing I got to go do. And it, it's it's like, no, you don't have to. You, you you don't have to do that right now. You can do that later. And looking at my to do list a little bit more fluidly of like, you know, put that on the list and put a date on it or whatever like that. It's like, and kind of the other side of that is kind of looking at what I'm, it's coined by Mark Manson who wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, but the fuck budget oh, yeah. of like, what am I spending my precious carings for? And some things just aren't worth it. Some things don't deserve your attention to get upset and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, some things do deserve your attention and your care and stuff like that. Um, and that's, that's been a, especially in quarantine that, cause it's been a roller coaster of stress and emotions and stuff like that for many different aspects of life that sometimes you have to take a step back and just be like, chill, bro. Chill. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to organize your, your cares, mm-hmm. hard to organize your fucks. <laughs> like, where do I give them? How many do I have? Is look up the spoon theory. Yeah, oh, I know exactly what that is. Well, no, yeah. I mean uh, to the but audience. For those but that don't know, Corey, look up, look up your, look up the spoon theory. I'll, they'll, if you look it up, it'll be described way, way better than I ever could on here. Um, just check it out. Highly recommend it. It's helped me a lot. Do yeah. I get to? Be it's a helped me spoon? understand a lot of other people. Well, essentially, at the core of it is everyone has a certain amount of spoons to give out per day. Uh, and the tasks that they have to do uh, throughout the day will take a spoon. Um, and sometimes you're out of spoons for the fucking day. Learn to manage your spoons and learn to understand that other people may have less spoons than you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but look it up. It's there's an in-depth study, and it it really it really changed the way I view a lot of things. Last question. Last question comes from Tommy Stark. Civil War. DC super superheroes versus Marvel superheroes. If you could team up with five superheroes from either DC and or Marvel for a civil war, who would you pick? They don't all have to be from one company. X-Men. Oh man. Which is weird because civil war is a Marvel thing. And Tommy Stark, I love you, baby. Um, So civil war is a Marvel thing. So if I'm, am I, it's also an American history thing. So in the comic books, what it really matters is the Civil War, um, because you know forty percent of Americans don't know the Holocaust is real. Um, oh my god! The DC and Marvel universe were they together, and then they had a Civil War. 
Um, or did all the comic books characters come together? And so for me, I, I'm going to kind of modify this of just like, just pick a superhero team. Cause I was going to say, that, making it, it super complicated. <laughs> yeah. Within that it says, don't have to be all from one company. And I'm like, I don't know where the civil war thing comes from, but it's like, just make a team of five heroes from whatever company. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's, that's where I, I saw that. Um, so Corey's just all right. All now that X-Men. you're done chastising our fans, Tom, yeah. do you want to get started? Well, um, I just <laughs> want to have a conversation with our listeners, Corey. Um, even though they may not be fans with me. Uh, so my answer will probably be uh, Doctor Manhattan, um, Dream uh, of the uh, or uh, Morpheus of the of the Dreaming, and then um, Superman, and then. Um, Franklin Richards and Spawn. That's it. Mm. I see you, girl. They're all like practically reality warping people. So (laughs) time travelers and and whatnot. Uh, I'll go next, I guess. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, I would have... uh, trying to see who i want to start with here i would definitely i mean just to protect myself from any occult john constantine has to be on my team um he's my favorite superhero who deals with the occult type stuff so i'll have that that covered on that end um i mean if you're looking for a rock star team how do you not choose someone like lobo uh what (laughs) like lobo Lobo, oh, Rockstar, I get it. Uh, I'm struggling between Batman and Superman because Superman is basically nigh unkillable, uh, but Batman figured out how to kill him. A lot Uh, of people know how to kill him, but... Right, but Batman would be the one who's got the contingency plan for For everybody. So I think Constantine and Batman... uh, Then I would have Magneto. Hmm. I just, he's just incredibly powerful and incredibly smart. And while we may not agree on how to get to a certain outcome, we definitely agree on, uh, you know, that it's very wrong to dictate what life is important and what life isn't important. Um, so there's three right there. Uh, two DCs and a Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then I would have to say either Thor, yeah, Thor, I think. Okay. Um, just another hard hitter because I didn't go with Superman, I went with Batman. So I'll go, got to have my, like my big guy. Your heavy. My heavy would be Thor. Uh, I mean, he's a God. I can't, I can't argue with that. Um, and then as my my fifth, do we say five? Right? Five. Your final hero. Mm. Yeah, and he's he can fly, which is really helpful too, Thor. So that's nice. He's my only flying guy, right? So far? No, Magneto uh, can technically fly. There's probably a spell that Constant can use that can levitate. Um in that case, I might switch Thor out for Colossus. Okay. Just mm. X-Men are so powerful. 
this is tough, man. The fifth one, like, is it hurts because once that's it, that's it. Your your team building stops. Um, and then you can have the next be... movie where you can add more. <laughs> of course, <laughs> right, right, of right, course. Right, right. This is just your starting <laughs> set. This is your starter. Um, it would either be Wonder Woman. Ooh. Because I, I do like the idea of having a, a god on the team. Demi. Demi. It was still. Yeah. Still. Godlike. Godlike. Um, or uh, Charles Xavier. You'd be your only telepath. Yeah, I'll choose Charles. I was going to say, I was like, mm. that's the one thing where everyone's like, Avengers versus... I'm like, I don't have no telepath. Those guys. <laughs> one telepath. So, shut your so, whole team down. So to sum it up, it's Constantine, Batman, Magneto, Colossus, and Charles Xavier. Nice. Did Very you nice. were you surprised at all that I would have three X-Men on my team? Not at all. Not even a little. I was surprised that you didn't have all X-Men. I almost did, but then I realized like none of them really deal with the occult. I didn't pick any of my favorites. Magic. Either. I didn't do Nightcrawler. Yeah, but I feel like I'd have more fun hanging out with Constantine. Everyone would have fun hanging out with Constantine. You might yeah. even have sex. Yeah, he, he, I feel like at the end of a big fight, he would be the guy who was like, all right, drinks on me. And we'd be like, oh, thank God he's on the team. Yeah. Uh, uh, Josh and he might Taylor? be the one on the team that Batman maybe respects. Hmm. So anyway, that's my team. I completely forgot that Spawn was an option, so Spawn is definitely there. Uh, Spawn Batman, is Batman, <laughs> Spawn is stupid. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. The Trinity. Marvel. Wow. Carol Danvers. Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. Mm. I like that a lot. Kayla? Mm. No reasoning, except I think it would be dope. (laughs) (laughs) So, Doctor Strange. Mm Mm-hmm. Constantine. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a theme here. Ileana Rasputin. Seeing a theme here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Cam Marvel, Danvers. Okay. Theme is broken. <laughs> Apocalypse. Ooh. Ooh. He's not really a hero, but sure. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's a bag. I mean, he's a hero, right? I mean, no, he's a bag. He's guy. not even really a hero right now. He's no, more just he's, like, I'm here. <laughs> he's, he's villain villain all day. I he's would, like, <laughs> I would almost. Do you have a backup for that one? Because mm. he's for sure like. Dr. Manhattan would probably be the other all right, choice. Yeah. Mm. He's, he's, oh, Dr. Manhattan. Apocalypse sucks, but he's so good. I know. <laughs> but he sucks. He, 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 he had a moment. You you would all and win, and then he would be like, cool, this is all mine now, and there's nothing you could do. His X of Sword finale moment is pretty baller. I'm just going to say. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I don't, I know. Think, I've seen, I don't think I've read that one. It, no. ju- it just came out. Of, it's a recent one. Oh, okay. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Um, well, I, that's it. Yeah. That's the way it's not now. What if all of our teams fight? <laughs> okay. No. Oh my God. Batman would be know. jumping from team to team. And then Carol Danvers would be jumping from team to team. Um, and Constantine Do- would be jumping from team the to Dr. team. The Dr. Manhattan would probably would be like, be- nothing matters. And peace yeah, out. he would kill all of you and be like, this is dumb. Whoosh. Dream is just like, well, that's it. <laughs> that's a good question. That that's a great question. Been- I'm going to seriously think about it and post it later on my socials about what my actual team would be. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Do it. Put, we'll put it on uh, the Discord. Y'all got to, y'all got to retweet it and do yours as well. 
Sure, 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 sure. Cool, 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 cool. Tight, tight, tight. Uh, well, that has been not only this week's Nerd On update, but this year's Mega Question update. Um, 2020, baby. It's coming to an end. A few more days. Uh, now that we're done with that. <laughs> everybody at home, thank you so much for Don't listening. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, 2020. <laughs> Where it should have bit you. Yeah. Um, everybody yeah. at home, thank you so much for listening to everyone that tunes in every week who watches us on YouTube. Thank you so much for your support. Um, do consider joining the Nerd On Nation if you have not already. It does uh, help us to grow and to be the best that we can be, to continue creating content and to con- continue upping our quality. Um, so check that out, nerdon.tv backslash Patreon. Do uh, head on over to the Discord and continue the conversation. Um, there are there are channels for everything from movies to TV to food to pets. There's everything in there. It's a fun community to be a part of. So check that out, nerdon.tv backslash discord. Uh, do watch our episodes on YouTube. Uh, check out our website, nerdon.tv. It has all of those links. So in case you ever forget where to find us, go to nerdon.tv. It has all of the links. Stop by, rate and review us. Share us with your friends and your family. Subscribe. That is the business. Thank you so much. Have a good, wonderful, fantastic, happy new year. Uh, Take care of yourselves. We love you all. You know the drill. As always, nerd on. on.